We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Root of His College Football Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Stefan LeCoe, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, Indeed, Bet Online. You can follow us over on Twitter at Root of His CFB Show. Uh, but will you, will you, whoa, I've had a couple of gin and tonics, sorry Matt. Where you will really find some good action is following Matt's Twitter, Check him out at Wispy the Kid. You can find me at Stefan Laco. Let's get into this great episode. It is Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, we will be dropping this on Christmas Eve. So, you know, I know you guys want to get straight to it. You want to hear the locks for the week. You want to make your money. I get it. We are going to do just a little bit of a, you know, a regular rundown, but we're going to go through it pretty quickly. Uh, but before we get into anything else, Matt, I have a really quick and important question for you. Is soup a meal? No. It can not be a, part of a meal, but it's not a meal. It can be part meal. of a meal, but I feel like if I don't, I guess there's two points to this. If I am like, because I know what you're referencing, if I, anytime you go out with someone and like sit down at a thing and eat food, meal. If yeah. I'm sitting there by myself and eating it, soup is not qua- enough, it will not sustain me enough for one meal. Yeah. I just but, had soup for dinner <laughs> and I was yeah. like, huh. Where's dinner? <laughs> because I was, uh, I ended up eating a lot of bread. <laughs> yeah, you got the, the bread definitely makes it the meal. 
yeah. So, so you know, I uh, I've had soup and about four gin and tonics. So we're ready to go on this uh, Wednesday night. It's going to be a fantastic a show. <laughs> yeah, feeling feeling it. You guys already heard me stumbling through the beginning. And to make things more interesting and more fun, I'm probably not even going to edit this episode very much because I want to get it out right away. And I want the good people, the good listeners, to be able to hear all the important locks and betting information that we can provide for them. But before we get into the show, I have to share a really stupid bad beat that I took last week. Now, it wasn't on college. It was in the NFL. I had a five-game parlay going, and uh, it was late on Sunday. And I was going to hit it pretty big. Um, It was going to be a very nice day for me. All I needed was Kansas City to continue to beat New Orleans, and I needed the fucking Rams not to lose to the Jets. <laughs> the Jets ruined my weekend. It was so rough, but I can't be too upset because at least my Jacksonville Jaguars will now get Trevor Lawrence. But I was feeling pretty upset. Yeah, I can imagine. But like you said, now you get Trevor Lawrence to the Jags. And I mean, doesn't that really balance everything out? Yeah, I were going to get fields anyway, and it would have been better, but whatever. Right, right. Man, I've been listening to a bunch of, uh, I mean, we're getting towards the end of the year. I've been listening to a bunch of like podcasts around like college uh, scouting and and players making it to the NFL. And man, people are just shitting all over Justin Fields after Because they're dumb. I mean, let's people forget. I feel like people just have now blocked out of their mind the stretch at the beginning of last year where Trevor Lawrence had three separate multi-interception games. Like, say what you will, Justin Fields has now played three, air quote, bad college football games. One of them, he sprained his thumb in at the end of the game, and he was getting the biggest disservice of his life on play calling. The other, Indiana, whatever, 100%, he was trying to force some stuff, bad game. And the other one, Clemson, looks a whole lot better if Chris Olave breaks the way that he thought it was and it's a game-winning touchdown pass instead of an interception. So I am I find it incredibly funny. Now, I will I will say this. I am and I have started my article for this week. I don't even know if it'll finish this week, but it'll finish eventually. Trevor Lawrence has moved into my one-on-one spot, um, largely because I think his floor is higher. I will still on every like fiber of my being tell you i believe justin fields has a higher ceiling because of that mobility can i, I ask you <clears throat> real quick are you referring to uh fantasy football or as an fantasy nfl football in the nfl draft i think it's clear cut uh trevor lawrence is going to go top over a pick. better career uh as an nfl player yeah now that he's going to the jags it really might uh like the big fear for me is i if Fields goes to the Jets. I'm terrified for him until well, they fire Adam Gase. franchise has really developed quarterbacks all that well. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Uh, you're right. But I would say. I think that between the fact that their division is somewhat softer um, and the fact that if they don't fire Adam Gaze, the Jets are just putrid and they're yeah. just trying to kill quarterbacks. Um, they, I'd they'll give a fire slight, him, right? Come on. They, ha- you, they, they have to. <laughs> there was a report that they were going to fire him after like week six if he lost. And then all of a sudden he lost seven more games. And they were like, nah, let's just keep him here. Um, who knows? I hope they get rid of him. I hope they bring in somebody. Um, 
or I hope somebody offers him a King's ransom because they want fields and the jets aren't sold on fields. Uh, but who knows? I, Maybe they'll fall in love with Zach Wilson, and Zach Wilson really will he's, go two overall. It's dumb. All right, I love Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is a great, great college QB. People really have to understand that statistically, on a per-game basis, Justin Fields is better than Trevor Lawrence. That's how good he is. This is not a, like a knock on all these other people. It's not a knock on um, Lawrence. It's not a knock on Wilson. It's not a knock on Mac Jones. It's that... Just because you happen to be paying attention on like his two bad games, there have been stretches where Justin Fields is regularly completing over eighty percent of his passes. There have been stretches in this year when where he had more he had touchdowns than interceptions. Yeah, he's just and we can say all we want. Oh well, he really doesn't run as much as I thought. It's because it's they're literally designing to keep him healthy at all costs because they don't want any risk of him taking a big hit. The truth is when he get like, we saw it against Michigan state when he was getting like bad snaps and he just had to go make a play. Justin Fields is electric in open field. And when he, well, even he, against Nebraska, he was just doing that. And that's, it's the thing is if he is allowed to run, then you're looking at a guy that is, could potentially make the same type of impact as an, early Cam Newton, a um, Lamar Jackson, where he might get 3,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing. Now, what I've said from the get-go is I think that he is essentially a slightly more developed passer than Lamar Jackson, but he probably won't run a 4-3. I think, but that's the prospect you're looking at right there is, do you really like Lamar Jackson? Yeah, then you probably are going to really like Justin Fields. So, I don't know. I just don't think I, I think the idea that Zach Wilson has surpassed him. I've heard it. I've heard the dumb. He doesn't drive the ball downfield. Dude can make any throw he wants. That's part of the reason he sits there and holds on to the ball for as long as he does is because he just wants to make the big play. And he knows that it takes more than one defender to sack him. So whatever. We've been talking about this now for a little bit too long, considering <laughs> we wanted to go fast, but yeah, no, no, let's just good. say I have a lot. I, while I do, I have moved up. I have just been fine with it. I have moved up um, Trevor Lawrence to my 101 overall in fantasy. It's only because of floor. Right. No, that, and that makes sense. Um, like you said, we want to get to a lot. Uh, real quick, uh, let me let you know what we're going to do today. We will end the show going through the bowl games, um, starting with uh, the games tomorrow, December 24th through Tuesday, December 30th. And then next week we will jump on again with you and, uh, and go through some of the, you know, the more marquee games, the, the big bowls, like the orange bowl and fiesta bowl, the main ones, uh, the new year's day six and all that good stuff. So, uh, this week we're going to be giving you some of those lower key, um, but still fun and, you know, opportunities to make some money. Of course, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about last week, uh, going through some of the championship games. But before we jump into that, Matt, I was just curious what what is the bowl game outside of one of the playoff games that you're most uh, excited about? So that we've got because um, we got like the Orange Bowl, which is A and M versus North Carolina. We've got the Fiesta Bowl, Oregon versus Iowa State. Peach Bowl is Cincinnati versus Georgia. Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma, Florida, which I think will actually will uh, finish this episode with that one. But 
which that's the one you're most excited about. <laughs> I mean, Florida. it's that one. And then for me, because I'm, I'm really interested to see. So Oklahoma, Florida is the easy answer. That one's going to be a shootout. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. If you like the sec championship, have fun and watching uh, two teams that only want to score points. Um, but the other one that I, I would say I'm most interested in is um, Cincinnati and Georgia. I mean, Low key, super interesting because we have seen Georgia get a little bit better at offense during this last little stretch. So while early in the year, I would have told you like, God, this game's going to get you like 30 total points. It's going to be disgusting. I'm really intrigued because JT Daniels has made their offense look competent. Mm -hmm. He's made them seem like, hey, had they had him all year, maybe we're talking about Georgia instead of Notre Dame in this spot. Uh, It's just it'll be. I think that'll be a very, very intriguing game, and it's two teams that probably want to win roughly the same way. Yeah, uh, a game kind of the opposite of that would be like the Citrus Bowl, Auburn versus Northwestern. Uh, we'll get into that next week. Uh, that's a game that I'm not all that interested to watch. I will um, be writing yeah. that game up. <laughs> I think Cincinnati Georgia is super fun. Uh, I like the Oklahoma Florida game because I do think it could be just a massive shootout. Uh, obviously, uh, for me, that the Oregon Iowa State game I think is going to be interesting. I think it's a terrible matchup for Oregon. Uh, we've covered it quite a bit this year. Uh, Oregon's rush defense has really, really struggled, and I could see uh, Brees Hall just having a field day against that defense. Uh, that one I think could get a pretty pretty out of hand pretty quickly um if our defense can't can't uh you know step up to the challenge but oregon does well in bowl games i'm excited to see what they can do what was your favorite game from last weekend what was your favorite championship game um maybe with a caveat of you know obviously watching ohio state win the big 10 championship i'm sure was lovely for you but uh what game did you find most enjoyable to watch i mean how do you not pick alabama and florida yeah (laughs) i mean everyone loves points Uh, i guess i'll 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 go a different route and say i watched quite a bit of boise state and san jose state um looks great they're good i mean san jose state's pretty legit and um and then i watched quite a bit of clemson and notre dame because well it was really good to be vindicated and thinking that that's that game had a chance to be a blowout and then watch it turn into a blowout almost instantaneously so yeah Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the answer is Alabama, Florida, just from a pure spectacle standpoint, was definitely up there. And then as a friend to you, it was nice to see Oregon go out there and again, pretty early on establish that they were going to win that game. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the more uh, nitty gritty on some of these games later. Uh, But you, you mentioned San Jose State. Brent Brennan has done just a fantastic job turning that program around. Uh, really happy for him. They've had a lot of issues not being able to play home games, being on the road for so long, like living in, I think they've been in New Mexico, like most of the season. A uh, great job for him. I'm curious if he will get his name, um, you know, floated around some of the bigger programs. Uh, speaking of which, we do realize that there has been a lot of hiring and firing over the last couple of weeks. We're going to wait for all the dust to settle and we'll give you guys like after the, the playoffs are done and the national championship is over. We're going to do a couple of, you know, carousel stuff. Like we'll, we'll talk about the coaching moves. We'll talk about some of the players that ha- are coming back for like their sixth year because, because of COVID and, and players going to the NFL. We're, we're going to get into all of that. 
Uh, we will keep you abreast of all the news and notes that you need to know. I just wanted to say breast. Uh, but before we go any further, I just want to let you guys know, like Rotoviz is awesome. Uh, ever since joining uh, the team at Rotoviz, one of the best parts of being on the team is the access to the website. We have so many awesome tools to help you win in fantasy football and DFS. We have Debbie ranks. We have articles that are published weekly. We have so much good stuff for you. And this is the time of year that you are allowed to spoil your, spoil yourself. So jump on there. We have discounts for new listeners. We can get you 10% off. Um, if you use the code, give me a second here because I am, like I said, not all that prepared because I've been drinking too much tonight. Um, but, uh, yeah, road of his radio, get that 10% discount. Please jump on there and do that. You will not regret it. Uh, road of his is awesome. I love, I love all the tools. I use them all the time and it's really helped give me an edge, especially like this year. I've, uh, since, Betting has become legal in Colorado and I have like uh, the various, I have all the apps for betting because I like to shop my lines. As you know, like uh, I love bet online, but sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes you just have to do other things and DraftKings and FanDuel, like with their DFS stuff has been awesome. And I've really found that Rotoviz gives me an edge in DFS. And I've been able to, uh, most weeks um, I'm making, I'm, I'm, I'm making pretty good money on my DFS stuff. So that's been a lot of fun, but before we go, um, into next week's games. Let's take a quick look back at how we did last week. Uh, kind of a not ideal week for us. You went three and three. You did pretty well. I uh, I did not do as well. I was um, three and four. No, I was four and four. I I I, I yeah, was, we, we were completely we were right even. <laughs> Everyone be happy. You did not really lose money with us. You it just lost a ton of money. And if you if you listened to Matt and did some uh, money line on San Jose State, you you came out ahead. So uh, pretty pretty okay week. But uh, just anything you kind of learned over the championship week, looking back, anything that you wish you would have um, adjusted your process with it all. Realistically, the Ohio State first half bet. It's easy to say in hindsight. Oh, of course you're going to say that one because they were losing. Well, I should have just factored in the amount that they would sputter out the gates without Olave. Um, now, mind you, I was only really confident that Alave was going to be out like the next day after we recorded, but right. I had started hearing like, obviously the rumors were out there that he was going to be unavailable. And the fact that I was still confident that they'd be able to score, despite the fact that Justin Fields didn't have a security blanket, that was probably just an error in process. And then it's also hard to factor in the fact that even though they're averaging like nine yards carry, Ryan Day was going to refuse to run the ball. So <laughs> it was, I'm, but other than that, I mean, I, my Northwestern team total under pretty yeah, flawless yeah. Uh, Cincinnati um, and Tulsa. I, I just straight up whiffed on that game. I, I, what's funny is I was so confident in Tulsa at 14 and a half, but for some reason I locked up Cincinnati at 13 and a half, which doesn't seem like good process. Um, and then yeah, I mean, like we meant, I've mentioned it, uh, Oregon, I, I felt good about that one. I felt like the matchup worked out well for him. So, yeah. Yeah, I think looking back, the some of the ones that I felt that I, like, kind of opposite as my usual was, uh, I felt like I, I had a good feel for the totals in some of my games, like the Ohio State game and the SEC Championship game. Like, those 
especially Florida, Alabama, like the over was such an obvious play. Like I, I like that Texas A&M uh, taking care of business against Tennessee. Of course, uh, that was my lock of the week. And that one hit. Uh, one of the things that I need to get better at is just avoiding teams that I haven't like really watched that much. Like I only watch the highlights. I don't watch the whole games. And so like that Marshall UAB game, I just, you know, I didn't have a great feel for it. I, I felt confident just looking at Marshall, like from what I'd seen of them and like liking some of their players like Knox and um, other guys I, like, well, yeah, they'll take care of business, but like not having really watched a full game uh, in a while, maybe I should avoid those games in the future, but um, we live, we learn, we continue to press on. Um, let's uh, quickly go through some of the, uh, the low key games. And then uh, not, I, that was me. Colin Loki. No one cares. About <laughs> I think uh, the games that didn't mean, mean the games anything. That no one else was watching. So yeah, we got the Mac championship game. Now, Thank you. We, both, we both took Buffalo in this game. They were at minus 13 and a half. Um, the things that we both failed to notice in this game was really how cake uh, Buffalo had their schedule and the fact that Ball State was maybe their first real legitimate opponent. Final score on that game was 38 to 28 uh, for Ball State. Jarrett Patterson didn't show up in his usual dominant self. He had... Good, good thing that I'm super prepared for this podcast. I think he had less than 50 yards rushing. He had 18 rush attempts for 47 yards. He didn't yeah. even lead his team. And you can sit here and say, um, oh, well, no one was doing anything. Well, his teammate had 93 yards and a touchdown. So I guess he probably could have been successful. So really a bad effort by or not a bad effort. I don't ever want to insult a player's effort. I have no idea. Um, bad game for him. Uh Interesting note or interesting player from this game. Ball State does have quarterback Drew Plitt. I mentioned him a couple times last year when I did the uh, group of five rundown. 275 or 273 yards, averaged 8.5 per attempt, three touchdowns, one interception. Decent outing. Um, yeah, let's let's keep on rolling. We mentioned it off or you mentioned it in your locks. Uh, the Conference USA championship game. Uh, UAB beat Marshall. 22 to 13. I just want to point out there that uh, your boy, me, uh, did pick Marshall to you cover did. the five and a half point spread. Um, I'm going to be blunt in saying that was an S&P Plus play because S&P Plus had UAB as a slight favorite. So catching any points with them was always going to be a play for me. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say I did not really watch much of this one. And yeah, nor did I. Um, I, I do like... Um, UAB quarterback Tyler Johnston, another guy. I think I mentioned him two or three times last year also. When you write about Group of Five, there's a little bit of repeat. But Tyler Johnson was a pretty um, interesting prospect. Not really as an NFL player, but he was a guy that was just fun to watch. Ended up having 252 yards and two touchdowns. Really, that's the difference when the opponent only scores 14 points. So um, good to see that and good to see uh, what used to be a road of his favorite, Spencer Brown. Uh, 30 carries, 149 yards. Uh, He was a, as a freshman, we really kind of fell in love with him because they had early production. He then really fell off as a sophomore. If I don't think he's, I mean, he's not coming out after this year. Um, So hopefully if he can go put together another really big productive year, maybe we're talking about him as a uh, day three sleeper. Um, And now let's get to a game that we, uh, or do you, which would you rather do get to get through Friday? Let's finish up the 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 group of five games. Let's. All right. I mean, obviously so, the Sun Belt was canceled, which is a bummer because I think we were all really looking forward to seeing Louisiana, Coastal Carolina. That would have been a great match. So that um, was a bummer. 
We did get the Mountain West one. We we did mention this game, and you and I both liked San Jose State in this one. They ended up beating Boise State 34 to 20. Um, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Did you hear the fun Boise State rumor that was out there this week that they were trying to join the American Athletic Conference? No. <laughs> yeah, I did so not there was that. so about like a day before their coach got hired away. And like he mentioned before, uh we'll we'll do a big coaching show later um in the offseason. Um, but before their coach was kind of taken to Auburn, now he was putting out there how much he really didn't like the Mountain West, how much he he wanted to leave the Mountain West. And there were reports that Boise State was exploring the potential for moving to the American Athletic Conference, which, boy, if you want to talk about a power, like a sixth power conference, it's hard to argue that the American Athletic Conference wouldn't be that if you added a I mean, a legit Boise State team. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> for but sure. so uh, I didn't get it. I mean, I this was a fun game. I think I, I jumped in and out on this one. But Nick Stark or yeah, Nick Starkle, uh, 453 yards and three touchdowns. Um, not a ton of running in this one. The leading rusher in the game only had 39 yards. So nothing super impressive on this one. Uh, the prospect I do like the most out of this game is actually on the losing side with it's Boise State receiver Khalil Shakir had six yeah, receptions. He's pretty good. He is really good. And if he is a guy that you're in a Debbie in a Debbie league and he is available next year, keep him in mind when you're in that like third to fourth round. He's a dude that's going to be super productive. And I, I think he's going to get on an NFL roster. And when you're talking about Debbie in that third to fourth round, getting on an NFL roster is meaningful. So yeah. He's and Boise State's, Boise State's produced quality, quality Players. NFL talent in the past, yeah. so it's not like it's out of, out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, Tulsa, Cincinnati, a uh, little bit closer than uh, we thought. I was right on this one. Uh, you actually were on Cincinnati, so you, you didn't quite get this one. But uh, 24-27, over hit, of course, <laughs> because we would have expected it to not hit. Uh, two great defensive teams, and they end up getting the over as we... Uh, that's yeah, why I don't under. <laughs> I will say uh, for Cincinnati, wasn't really the win they were looking for. I think they did kind of want that big statement win. But you know what? It was nice seeing. I don't know if you've seen the clip going around, but Desmond Ritter in the post game, they asked him what it meant to win the American Athletic Conference. And you could tell like it was a big deal to them. So like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're very bummed out that they didn't get selected for the playoff and that they're, they're not getting their one chance. But the reality is, for some programs and when you're a college kid and when you're on these teams winning a conference championship when you've when you haven't done that it means a whole lot and um yeah like i said desmond Ritter, uh i i'm gonna just crush this right now uh there are some people who are already starting to make the push on him and start to give him love uh have already seen a dak prescott comp stop it i think he's great i think he's a lot of fun He's not a great NFL prospect, and if you think he's going to be a second-round pick, I'm sorry, but that means that you think for some reason seven quarterbacks are going to be taken in the first two rounds, and I just hate to break it to you. It's not going to happen. There won't be seven quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds. So um, I love Desmond Ritter. Um, I actually want to quickly pull this up to see because I saw he had one long touchdown run. Yeah, Uh, Jerome Ford, 12 carries for 57 yards. And a touchdown. One of them was a 42, uh, 42 yarder. And I think that was the touchdown was 42 yards. Uh, he is a very good player. He will be a player to keep in mind for next year. If you're a DFS guy, 
Um, he's a guy that if he takes over that role, that offense, if it has Ritter, if it doesn't, if it's starting Evan Prater next year, that offense is still going to be rolling pretty well because I don't think Luke Fickle's going anywhere this offseason. And I think that's going to give him a chance. And he's a uh, he's a transfer from Alabama this past offseason. He's a really good player and he very well might be like really productive in it. While I don't necessarily think he's going to have a lot of value as a Devi asset, I do think that he's another one of those guys that if he puts together two two consecutive productive years at UC, who knows, maybe maybe he's a day three pick that, again, finds his way onto a roster. Don't necessarily use a Devi pick on him. Maybe just kind of have him as a name to know, but he is definitely a name to know. Yeah, that's good. Uh, let's move into the Power Five. We've got the Pac-12 Championship, which took nope. place Friday night. Uh, Oregon 31, USC 24. This game, like if you look at the box score, it's pretty crazy. Like uh, Oregon did not have that many yards. Um, Oregon was only able to manage 108 passing yards, 135 rushing yards. Now, granted, USC only ran the ball for 38 yards. This game, and I... I said it. I said it on the show. It's going to be a matter of who wins the turnover battle. The turnover battle, excuse me. And uh, and and Oregon did that. Uh, they they had gone. They went in, into the game uh, minus seven on the year, and I think USC was plus seven. Uh, but on the night, uh, Oregon only turned the ball over once, and, and USC turned the ball over three times. To me, like those two early first quarter interceptions that Slovis threw, and then they had another like punt from like their ten yard line where Oregon got the ball uh, around midfield, like. Oregon won the turnover battle. Uh, they won the field position battle and they were able to score when they got into the red zone. And to me, like they were able to build up that, that quick lead that you mentioned and barely, barely hold on to it. This is one of those games. Like if it was another quarter long, like if it would have been like, Hey, let's do this one for six quarters. I think USC comes back and actually does win this thing. Uh, like they have done all year coming back strong in the end of the game. Uh, but Oregon was able to build a lead and uh, just sustain it. Um, interesting to me was the fact that, uh, for some reason, Cristobal and, uh, Moorhead decided to give Anthony Brown his first work of the year. And so the first touchdown pass was actually Anthony Brown, um, (laughs) throwing it, uh, which was, you know, somewhat surprising. He threw it to the tight end. Um, I think it says, it's, it says it all that the leading receiver for the ducks, uh, had 27 yards on, on two receptions. So it was definitely a, a field position, uh, defensive battle, even though, uh, the score did creep up into the uh, the mid-50s. Um, I mean, the under hit, of course, but uh, it really was a defensive game. A lot of interceptions. And uh, I think both these programs have a lot to build on for the future. Uh, Slovis, I think, has to really work on his interception problem because that really seems to be uh, a bit of a theme for him. Yeah, I mean, the the turnovers really were the key here. I think once, once they fell behind early, it was... I mean, we've seen USC, they they've had to come back and they haven't really been the fastest starting team this year. So uh, I wasn't overly surprised by that, but I was um, pretty impressed with this Oregon team. I will say for as much as we had would have like criticized Oregon's rush defense and how um, we really would have projected them to struggle a little bit. It is nice to see that they held USC to just 1.8 line yards per rush and they stuffed USC's on uh, they stuffed them on 16.7 percent of play so I, I would say their front their front four their front seven um really did a nice job in this one um 
kind of just not allowing the line to overwhelm them. So just a good, I mean, overall a good performance. Yeah, you're probably right that it was starting to shift towards USC's way. But the truth is, this wasn't exact. I mean, while some may call it fluky, Oregon had a postgame win expectancy of 77%. So this wasn't like one of those, this wasn't Indiana against Penn State. This wasn't sure. uh, LSU Florida where it's just nothing. This was a game where, I mean, Oregon Oregon wins this most of the time, and I, I'm I'm happy for him. I do think it's hilarious that the way that the best team in they weren't the best team in their division, they weren't uh, the highest ranked team, but they were the conference champion. <laughs> That's um, right, and it's That's only right. happened to the Pac-12. So, yep, Pac-12 yeah. being the Pac-12. I will say, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the defensive end for the Oregon Ducks, it, he's only a sophomore. He is going to be a top five yeah. pick. Yeah. Um, in the NFL. he he ended up winning the MVP this game and, and and he just dominated. If you watch the game, he was in the backfield all the time. He is a beast. So uh, yeah, he's good. Definitely not like a, a Debbie name to keep an eye on, but for all of you guys, you an IDP. About- I mean, we don't we don't ever yeah. get into IDP because I don't think you are, and I know I'm not really an IDP guy, but he is very good. And if if you're an IDP player, keep him in mind because. I think he there's a chance he's one of the next great pass rushers that gets yep. into the league. So um just a name to note, I think he was a former five star um Yep, he was a number two number two prospect uh the year he came out. So uh, so all yeah, right, definitely. so big twelve championship uh at in Arlington, Texas. Uh Oklahoma State really held on to this game at the very end. They uh, Oklahoma, you said Oklahoma uh, State, but yes. Oh, yeah, because Oklahoma State's terrible and no one cares about them. <laughs> um so but Oklahoma in this one, they they hold on to beat Iowa State. Iowa State did have a an end of game kind of long pass opportunity that they didn't convert. I'm gonna be like completely honest in saying this game was on at noon. I was watching Big Ten, but I had to both on because I'm a I'm not a huge. I mean, I love Ohio shut State. Up. Don't get me You're wrong. Terrible, and I'm mad at you. Um, I had Ohio State on the TV, and I had. The Big 12 championship on the smaller <laughs> But so Brock Purdy, three picks in this game. Honestly, when you have a score that ends the way it did, that's the difference in this one. Um, Brees Hall, one of his very rare times where he does not get to 100 yards rushing, but he does get two scores in this one. Um, your guy, Marvin Mims. We, we talked about him a lot this year. 101 receiving yards and a touchdown. This is a guy that we are going to have to start taking very seriously in the 2023 wide receiver one conversation. And there's, there's a lot of good names in that group. And I think he's going to be among them when we kind of reevaluate and kind of move forward from the 2020 season and move on to 2021 to figure out where, where we line stuff up. I think Marvin Mims is going to be one of those guys that we look at and say, look at this early production. Um, and then, yeah, and he's going to have great quarterback play through his entire career, which is. is only going to help him. He, it's yeah, to me, uh, Marvin Mims is a guy on like because he was somewhat unknown, not unknown, but he wasn't like he wasn't a top five. Sought, he wasn't highly sought after in like Debbie drafts of the last two years. Uh, so, so like him coming into his sophomore year next year, like I'm I'm going to be spending an early early round pick on him in my upcoming Debbie drafts. I will. I'm, I'm doing it, Matthew. I'm, I'm not. Doing I, 
I actually don't know if I will. And that's only because they're, they're another one of those programs that just seems to have a lot of wide receiver talent. And he, this was one of those years where he may have been the guy to take the CD lamb production. So like it, we kind of seen it ever since, Oh boy, what's the guy's name? I couldn't care less. Whatever. They've had a lot of Bolitnikov winners. Well, no, it was since before Marquise Brown, there was someone who was on the Jags for a little bit. D.D. Westbrook. So it's gone D.D. Westbrook, then Marquise Brown, and then... I was going way too far back, apparently. Yeah, no, I only cared about the three. Um, But so these last three have gotten, like, video game-like numbers. And he had the opportunity this year because there really wasn't a guy ready to take over the huge production spot. And he had that chance because he became Rattler's kind of comfortable target early. So the fact that he didn't get to something like it wasn't really absurd. He He's ending the year with 583 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah, that's fine. That's for a freshman though, man. But, but we say that the net, like the problem is, is that we're so accustomed to Oklahoma receivers putting up, kind of silly numbers and 583 the next guy is 494 oh i I, believe me i think he's a great player but i don't know that i'm willing to spend the same capital on him that i would have been willing to spend on lamb when he got early production like i would have been able to or like i would have spent on hazelwood before he got his acl tear i i'm i'm gonna use my second round pick in every debbie draft on on marvin mims i probably won't but i won't i can't criticize you for it um spencer rattler he didn't put together an amazing game I, i'm getting back to the game now yeah we probably should um, do that spencer rattler 272 yards and a touchdown um added 17 rushing yards and another touchdown honestly he's he's Pretty close to there with Howell for me. I'm probably slightly more impressed, but I think I probably give Howell the more likely chance to be the QB one when 2021 that season ends. Um, I, I still I, I I mentioned it last week, but I think there's a chance that JT Daniels gets into that conversation, and I actually sure. wouldn't be shocked if JT Daniels is my QB one at the end of next year. But I think that Rattler has done enough to show growth over the course of this year that um, I'm willing to kind of put him in that conversation. Um, moving on big 10 championship. We already mentioned yep. it. Justin Fields looked like absolute dog poop. Um, it's not hit. It, I will say this not entirely. Oh, uh, well, I guess we should mention the result 22 to 10. Um, neither one of us got this game right because I picked Ohio state and you picked question marks. Uh, um, I picked Ohio, Ohio state. state yeah, yeah. Well, the doc still shows question marks, but whatever. Uh, Ohio State uh, was favored by 20 and a half. They only won by 12. Um, really, the story of the game, it, there's two of them. Justin Fields, 12 for 27, 114 yards and two picks. He looked off like something was off. Um, and I think part of it is for every single game he's been at Ohio State, he has had Chris Olave to throw to. Um, and we can say all we want about, oh, well, Julian Fleming's great. Oh, Garrett Wilson is better and blah, 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 blah. But the guy that he clearly has his his strongest relationship and the most trust in is Chris Olave. And he wasn't there and that it seemed to make a difference. But at the same time, 
there was some weird stuff going on with play calling. There were a lot of backwards passes. There were a lot of screens that were like really telegraphed and wasn't setting them up for success. And then there were also a few drops early on that really could have made a difference. Um, but no, the, the storyline of this game is Trey Sermon. Um, 11.5 yards of carry. I mean, good 11.5 God. yards of carry. 331 yards and two touchdowns. He's now the single game rushing leader for Ohio State. I'm going to just say this, like, I still don't think Trey Sermon is this amazing back. He he looks like he runs about a 4.8. Um, but he definitely gets every single yard he can. Like, And if, if he puts together a good performance in the playoff and then also and then, like, hopefully for your sake, the national championship game, he's going to he, get job capital. He will. But my only question is, is so... At Rotoviz, we've we've kind of looked at a lot of things, and one of the big keys for running backs is is athleticism. And I don't know what he's going to run, and I'm fairly confident he isn't going to be in the four fours. So he'll give me a little bit of pause. But in a like we we've talked about this class quite a few times, as we don't really know what it is. Who knows if he gets early day three capital? Like if he gets a fourth round pick, yes. He is a guy worth drafting at some point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, he's probably already on grabbed a Debbie rosters. Yeah. In, in a roster that, that matters. Um, yeah, it was an interesting game. Uh, Peyton Ramsey came out on fire, like just not missing passes. And so, I, I think we texted you at one point. It's like, he cannot keep this up. Well, it was that. And Ohio State was playing like a very soft zone coverage. Um, I think that there was enough fear within the Ohio state team that they didn't want, they were just going to play a zone limit explosive plays because that's been their like Achilles heel this year was the explosive play, but I don't know why they did it against this team now. Right. Right. Um, they were, there is talent on this Northwestern team and Ramsey's not a bad QB. I, I don't think super highly of him as, like I don't think he's winning you a ton of games, but he's a, a God. I hate Fine. that this has become an insult. He's a Trent Dilfer type. He's a nice little game manager that won't lose you a whole bunch of games. Um, yeah, I, I mean it is what it is. I think that he played fine, and I think Ohio State was playing pretty off coverage. And yeah, yeah. No, I think that's good. Let's let's move on to the uh, ACC championship game, man. Last time Clemson and Notre Dame met, uh, Etienne rushed the ball 18, 18 times for only twenty eight yards. Uh, that was a different ki- that was a different story this night. Uh, he he went ten for one hundred and twenty four. Uh, he was really able to get going. And to me, that was a big part of this game was um, Clemson being able to run the ball uh, both with Etienne as well as with Lawrence. I mean, Lawrence himself had had some some big runs. He ended up getting ninety yards himself. Uh, Clemson pulled away quick. Uh, final score, thirty-four to ten. You you nailed this one. You you thought Clemson would probably run away with it. I thought Notre Dame would keep it close. Um, I was wrong. So I I have one question for you. Do you think Etienne's rushing success was a product of him playing better, or the return of Trevor Lawrence? I honestly think it was a return of Trevor Lawrence. And that's and the, the right answer. And it, what's interesting to me is. Um, DJU Uyunglele is such a large and quick man. I was surprised that they didn't utilize him as they utilized Trevor Lawrence. Like Trevor Lawrence, because he was running the ball, really 
put Notre Dame on their back foot and they didn't know who to who I think to the, assign linebackers to. I think he gets the same he was getting in that game because like they have a quality backup, but it's not exactly someone who they want to make a run with or that they think they need to uh, put out there consistently. But I think with when you have a guy, when you're already down to like a missing person on there, you don't want to expose them to sure. the potential hits and stuff like that. And truthfully, then they're screwed. Yeah. Well, and you also want to like simplify your offense for a guy who's making his first career start. And I think that's a big part of this is that for as good as DJ Uangalele is, he was still making his first ever career or his first ever start as of the Clemson starting quarterback. So you have to give him a little bit of like, Hey, they were trying to like, let's, let's start in the shallow end and then we'll like gradually like walk down the, down the pool a little bit, get, get him in deeper waters as the game goes on. And they did use him a little bit, but obviously Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. That guy right. gets to do what he wants. And I think I, I agree with you. I, I'm the reason I asked the question is, I think that the fear of the return of Trevor Lawrence and the guy that is just not going to be flustered is not going to have the moment be too big for him and is just kind of a cyborg means that they can't sit there and just hone in on saying, well, Travis Etienne's getting nothing. Right. And because of that, they just have to, um, they have to kind of play him straight up and they can't, they can't really put a focus on anyone. So when you're not putting your focus on ETN, he's going to break long plays. And when you go in and you try and get a little bit closer and bring an extra man in the box, then Trevor Lawrence goes and picks you apart. So I think that this Clemson team with Trevor Lawrence is, is incredibly intimidating. Um, Mari Rogers looked good too, man. He's still what he is. He, he's just, he's a guy. But like I know, like we, I, I'm making this comparison be, because he's a Clemson receiver, and as you didn't like him, but like him. Hunter, Hunter Renfro has like carved out a, like a little niche for himself in the NFL. Like Amari Rogers is going to be a successful he's wide receiver in the NFL. Fine, he's going to be successful. No, I think he'll he'll get in the league. I I'm not disagreeing. I I think that there's not a non-zero chance that Amari Rogers goes out if if Clemson runs away and hides in the playoff, if they win this national title, do not be surprised if Amari Rogers is this year's Brandon Ayuk. that half right. the people before the draft process even started goes who, yeah. um, but I like, it won't shock me. And I think that's, uh, it's a real thing. I, I think you're probably right. I think he's more of a, um, Hunter Renfro, Cole Beasley, um, kind of guy that just gets a, he gets a decent amount of volume, but he's the guy that they're constantly going to on third down because you know, yeah, he's going to drop it. Your boy, EJ Williams though, had a catch. That was ridiculous. I loved that. That was going up there one handed. It was, it was dynamite. I loved it. I, I jumped out of here. My boy uh, is a Jew. A Jew. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's, let's move on to sec championship game. This was a fun one, man. We both got this one wrong. We thought Alabama would do what Alabama has done, but yeah, who cares? Uh, the overhit, that's all that matters for me. Uh, Alabama wins 52 to 46 fun game. Everyone who you were wanting to watch ended up having a good game. <laughs> like it was fun. I, I really enjoyed sitting down and watching this one. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think this game's interesting because while we've thought about this Alabama team as like world beaters and they can just kind of steamroll their way through anyone, while I think that Florida's offense is uniquely impressive, 
I do think this kind of shows them like shows that hmm, maybe well, Alabama's defense isn't still is a little bit questionable and it, it still probably can allow a lot of points. So, I mean, let's be honest here. They, they didn't want to get into a situation where Florida had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win. They, they wanted to kill clock in a way that they didn't, they haven't done all year. So this is, this was a nice test for them. This was honestly, if you're a Gator fan, be happy. I will tell you that it, you can be really happy and, try and say that this is like a springboard for your program. I will still remind everyone that they're going to be losing this offseason. Kyle Trask, uh, Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts, and probably Trayvon Grimes. Yeah. They're going to lose a lot of dudes this offseason. And for all, I mean, and maybe Damian Pierce. I don't know. People do dumb stuff. Um, But just know, like, regardless, if you're a Florida fan, take the season for what it is. You get you were the one team in the country that pushed Alabama to the absolute brink, and yeah. you were able to score at will on them. So, yeah. I, I will say I know it's a premature one, but I'm taking a victory lap uh, with Kadarius Tony. Like I'm doing it. I don't care. I know he still hasn't been drafted, but man, I I talked about him at the beginning of this season. I love this kid. I think he is explosive and fun, and I think he's gonna have like a Percy Harvin type. Um, role in the NFL. I'm going to do good. a sanity check on you, though. Kadarius okay. Tony or Rondale Moore? No, I'll steal Rondale. I'm just putting this... I, the reason I ask that is because I think it's an idiotic question, but there are people who rank Tony above Rondale Moore, and those people are dumb and bad at their jobs. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't fuck that one up. Let's move on to I next week's game. You, you know that. Yeah, of course you would have. Before we jump into next week's game, I just want to quickly tell you a little bit about one of our favorite sponsors, Indeed. Now, 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. I mean, we are a week away from 2020 being in the rearview mirror. Thank you, whichever deity it is that you want to thank. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be the most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly. So you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And right now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you, so you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost their job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. But you got to move quickly because this offer ends December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. But go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to get that free $75 credit. Now let us move on to the bowl games coming up. Let's start with the New Mexico Bowl, which is tomorrow or actually probably today because I'm probably not going to get this out tonight. Uh, we've got Houston versus Hawaii. Houston favored by 11. Who'd you got in this one? Then we can go through some of these pretty quickly because, you know. Houston. Yeah, because. I'm on Houston to Hawaii having to travel. Houston's looked impressive to me throughout the year. I didn't love the double digit number. I'm actually this is not a lock for me, but I think Houston ends up uh, covering this uh, double digit score. But I don't feel amazing about it. Not one. I'm, I'm not one. I'm betting no. the mortgage on neither one. of This is one of those games where you have you talked about how you're going to start avoiding games that you have not really watched either of the teams. 
move along. <laughs> let's not <laughs> let's not place any wagers on this one. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, that's that's Christmas Eve for you. So you know the New Mexico Bowl. I I, I don't know what you're looking for. Uh, I will tell you that the uh, the line has dropped just a little bit. Um, but still, yeah, I'm not I'm not really probably placing any money on this one. The over under for this is at 59 and a half. I don't know if you have a play on that. I I don't really I don't really under. have a good feel for this one. Under, yeah, only because there's a bunch of sharp money that's coming on under. Cool. Let's go to the uh, Camellia Bowl, which you know I've never heard of. We got Marshall, who is seven and one, five and three against the spread, versus our Buffalo Bulls, five and one, four and two against the spread, coming off um, a, a tough loss here. Uh, the line is four and a half. Who do you have in this one, Marshall or Buffalo? You know, for as much I as we the over under is fifty four as well. We we were pretty disappointed by this Buffalo team against Marshall, but I mean, I get it against Marshall, but against Ball State, but. I don't think Marshall's actually as good as anyone thought they were. And I'm just going to go on with Buffalo here and assume that Jarrett Patterson runs the ball pretty effectively. Yeah. Jarrett Patterson uh, was dealing with a little bit of some injury stuff, but he is supposed to play. Um, I'm with you on this one. I like Buffalo. Uh, I'm also leaning over in this one, um, but, but I like Buffalo. I think between Marks and Patterson, they're, they're able to get their golf offense going. Marshall, like you said, they disappointed as well. Like they, they didn't show up all that great. It, it's always hard for me. Like when looking at bowl games uh, to be like, well, which team has the motivation to show up and which team isn't And like to me, like you never know until the game is over or until the game starts really. And uh, I, I don't use a whole lot of that reasoning when I can I'm go like, live on the, this might be a decent live spot. If, if, Marshall comes out looking really, really flat again. Yeah. Then I mean, hammer Buffalo hard. Early. Yeah, and that's and that's your Christmas Day special right there. So I mean, I know none of us have anything else to do on Christmas, so we may as well watch watch some uh, some football. We got a uh, the the UAB South Carolina game. Uh, we just found out today is uh, been canceled, so we'll skip that one, of course, and we'll move on to the Lending Tree Bowl, uh, which is you know fantastic. We've got Western Kentucky. Um, who is four and six on the year, two, seven, and one against the spread. They did have a pretty tough schedule against Georgia State, who is five and four, but six and three against the spread. Georgia State uh, laying three and a half. Where are you leaning on this one? And uh, what, what what is your reasoning for it? I can tell you pretty bluntly that I have watched very little of either of these teams all year. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Georgia State just because I think they're the better team overall. And they, yeah, not I'm not not a whole lot to say on this one. I, I just am going to go with who I think is the better team here. Yeah, no, and I agree. And Western Kentucky, like they they did have a, a tough schedule. Like they had to play Marshall, UAB, BYU. Those are tough. Those are tough teams. Um, but even in their wins against teams that aren't as impressive, uh, they they were pretty close. They they didn't really blow anyone out. They didn't you know look great in anything. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's hard to really know what you're getting with Western Kentucky, Georgia state. Um, I feel like I have a better kind of handle on what they can do. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning with them now. They did get blown out by coastal 51 to nothing earlier this year. So, so keep that in mind. Uh, but that is a, you know, that's a different level of competition than what you're seeing with uh, Western Kentucky. So give me the team that's uh six and three against the spread three and a half. is not a huge number. So I'm, I'm happy to lay it, lay it with them. Uh, we've got the first responders bowl. We've got the we've got the Raging Cajuns, Louisiana of Lafayette versus the University of Texas South Antonio, not South, 
San Antonio, sorry, UTSA, uh, plus 14. That's a pretty, pretty big number here. Uh, where are you leaning on this one? Pass. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> honest, such a my honest answer is I, I'll take I'll take Louisiana in this one. Again, not going to lay any dollars on this one. This is gut. This is me saying that I think the Louisiana team was pretty good this year. Um, with their only loss coming against Coastal. Um, I think they're a pretty good team. I think they should be able to score some points in this one. And while UTSA is, I mean, they're, they're better than normal. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see a path to them winning this one. Yeah. The, the, the area of this game that I think is going to be most interesting is like, uh, UTSA, uh, prefers to run the ball. Like they average more rushing yards a game than, than passing yards. And Louisiana can be suspect to the run. So if they're able to, um, if the Roadrunners are able to get their run game going, I do feel like that 14 number might be a little bit too big. But I'm going to lean with Louisiana here. Um, I think they've had a, a tougher schedule. They've only got one loss in the year. So um, I think they win. I think they cover. I do think it's going to be a sweat. Um, I'm not going to bet this one myself because... <laughs> I think it would be too uh, too stressful. Uh, let's get to the game that we uh, kind of previewed a couple weeks ago, uh, and then it got canceled because COVID. Uh, this is the Cure Bowl. We've got Liberty versus Coastal. Coastal favored by seven, which kind of surprised me because uh, this is on a neutral field. And when Coastal was uh, the home favorite or the home uh, team a couple weeks ago, it was a five point spread. Uh, so they're they're the that spreads got beating BYU though. That, that is true. Um, where are you on this one? Liberty has given me no reason to suspect that they won't cover spreads this year. Uh, my only fear is that between the next three days, is Hugh Freeze going to interview for like four more jobs? Um, <laughs> right. The one thing that does, I mean, Malik Willis has been out with COVID for a while. I assume at this point he's likely back. If he is, I he's think probable they, according to um, lovely. Um, yeah, whatever that means. I, hopefully that means he's playing. Uh, shop around a little bit. I think you can probably get this game as high as seven and a half. If you, I, I love them at seven and a half. I like them at um, seven. I don't like them at six and a half. So take that for what you will. Um, but yeah, give me, give me the, give me the flames. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. I mean, both both teams are like Liberty's eight and two against the spread. Uh, the the Chanticleers are eight two and one. Um, it's hard to go a whole season undefeated. Now Coastal took, took care of business all year. Now they, they got lucky. Well, maybe not lucky, but they did have that uh their their the championship game removed. But the, the Sun Belt, like they've just been showing up in bowl games uh, over the last couple of years. So it's hard for me to bet against them. But that seven that seven number does seem a, a bit big. So I think Liberty's able to keep it close. This is one that I am not touching until like like you said, until we know what's taking place with the quarterback um, Willis for Liberty. If he's out, like I'm slamming coastal, but if he's in, give me Liberty and let's hope that he is, uh, is good to go and, and doesn't have too many um, adverse side effects from, from uh, the COVID situation that he's been under. Uh, let's move on now to uh, the next game here. We've got uh, some more, you know, name brand teams here in the cheese it bowl. We've got Oklahoma state, versus Miami, Oklahoma State, seven and three on the year, four and six against the spread versus Miami, who was eight and two and six and four against the spread. The over under is set at 58 and a half. The 
The line is Miami plus two. Where are you on this one? Vomiting. I know. Um, this, this is a weird one, huh? This one sucks. Um, I don't think this is a good game. I, I will not watch much of this game, even though based on name value, you'd think this one's going to be good. I'm, I'm going to just take Oklahoma State because I still think their defense is better than Miami's. And realistically, I think we kind of saw Miami get exposed a little bit. My only fear if I'm my sweat on this and the reason why I probably won't put a lot of money down on this one uh, on this game at all is because of I still don't think Oklahoma State's offensive line is all that good. And I'm not particularly expecting to see them score um, at will, but I do think their defense should be able to hold Miami to pretty limited scoring. So catching, I mean, giving two, I'll just lay the points with this one. Yeah, this one was a tough one for me too. I feel like both these teams um, tend to disappoint uh, when they're on the big stage. I mean, that's just what it feels like. Chuba Hubbard just left for Oklahoma State. Um, Jenkins, one of their linemen, has left the team. Uh, Tylen Wallace is not, no one knows for sure if he's going to be playing or not. I would not be surprised if he opts out and just decides to get ready for the NFL. However, on the other side, King is supposed to be playing. Uh, last I heard, he's going to be playing for Miami. Um, Miami is 5-1 and one straight up in the last six games. Well, in the last six, Oklahoma is 1-5 against the spread. So I'm leaning Miami plus two. Uh, in a toss-up game like this where it's really hard for me, where I, I kind of feel like both teams are in the same kind of spot, uh, give me the team that's given the that's got a couple extra points on their side. So uh, the plus two sounds good to me. Um, I'm going to lean Miami here. Uh, however, if King ends up not playing, uh, I want no piece of this game whatsoever. So do please wait um, for the game. Wait until December 29th before you bet this one. Um, let's move on to um, you know the most important game of the week: Texas versus Colorado in the Alamo Bowl. We've got Texas at six and three, three, five and one against the spread versus the Buffaloes, who are four and one and also four and one against the spread. The total is 63 and a half. Colorado is being given 10 points. How do you see this one shaking out? And are you um are you gonna be playing this one? I'm not super confident in this game. Um I think Colorado just might be outright the better team. I think that Texas is only favored here because of name value and because if you make Colorado a six-point favorite in this game, Vegas is going to have a lot of liability on this game because Texas is going to get hammered by the public because everyone's going to question it. Um, I'm going to take Colorado. I just think double digits is too much. I would. I really would have thought this game would have been pretty close to a pick. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm on Colorado here as well. Uh, Ten just seems too big and I, I i've actually seen some some bigger numbers than that uh at different hammer uh, so you know shop around see what you can find but i, I like colorado here i also kind of like the over um both these teams have been able to score points um texas has gone over in six of the last nine uh while colorado went over in four um in four of their last six so so the over is definitely something to be looking at in this one as well it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I know um, both these teams are, you know, 
Texas was hoping to be a lot better than they were. And I think Colorado was a lot better than people expected. So it's kind of an interesting game. I think it's going to be a good barometer for where both these programs are at. I will say uh, the the best defensive player for uh, the University of Colorado um, linebacker Lamon is out for the season. He had a brutal injury versus Utah. And when he got injured in that game, the tide did kind of turn. And that's when Utah really did, you know, start scoring a lot of points. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, if, uh, if you see things getting out of control early, you might want to, uh, to bail on that one. But, uh, I, I think with a little bit of time to prepare, um, Colorado will be able to, uh, maybe not make up for the loss of Lamon, but definitely, um, you know, be able to have a, a game plan, but he was a Buckus finalist. So he was definitely a, a big time player. Let's move on to Duke's Mayo bowl, which is the greatest name for a bowl game in the history of the world. we got Wake Forest versus Wisconsin, Wisconsin minus six and a half. Wake Forest four and four, six and two against the spread, while the Badgers were three and three and two and four against the spread. The over under on this is fifty two and a half. Yeah, I don't like this game a lot, um, but if I'm gonna make a play here, and I I think I probably will, um, I'm gonna just go with Wake Forest, and it's because what we've seen out of this Wisconsin team is while their defense is still pretty good, um, their offense is kind of broken right now, and Wake Forest still is a decent to strong offensive team at times. And if they get into this kind of this role where they put up two touchdowns or something like that, I just don't know how Wisconsin is going to pull away when they haven't been able to pull away against really anyone recently. So other than Illinois. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we saw that first game when they just look like world beaters and now I, I just I don't know what they're going to do in this game to make me confident that they're going to um, win by a touchdown. Yeah, I I totally hear where you're coming from. Um, I'm on Wisconsin, but I'm not playing. I'm not touching this game because this game just feels weird. Wisconsin has not been great this year. Um, they did beat Minnesota, but Minnesota's had tons of issues. Uh, this is a Wisconsin team that lost by double digits to Iowa Northwestern. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's been ugly. So I uh, don't feel super confident, but I'm leaning Wisconsin in this one. Uh, the music city bowl, we've got Iowa versus Mizzou plus 15 for Mizzou, which is a big number. I know they're coming off that, uh, that loss to Mississippi state last week, the over, I mean, the total on this one is 15 and a half. Uh, Iowa six and two on the year, five, two and one against the spread while Missouri is five and five and also five and five against the spread. Uh, that's a pretty impressive uh, number right there. Uh, I am kind of leaning Mizzou on this one, but only because that number is so big. And I do question uh, whether or not like Iowa's offense is averaging about 30 points a game. Uh, so it's hard for me to imagine them winning by more than two touchdowns. That's the only reason I'm, going with Mizzou here with that plus 15. I think they're able to keep it within 12, 13 points. I definitely think Iowa wins though. Iowa's really good. To be honest, they're, I, I kind of think they were the second best team in the big 10 this year. 15's a lot. It's a lot. I'm changing my pick. I'm going to go Missouri and it's only because 15. You were almost convincing me. I was like, you're right. They have been very good. Maybe I'm wrong. No, they're, they're, I, I actually really think this team's good. The issue at hand is just they're they're still a team that is pretty low scoring and truthfully one of my favorite plays typically is the low total uh, double digit underdog, yeah. um, which is what this game. 
which is kind of it's a little bit high for low total. You're cut. You tend to be wanting to see something more in the 40s. But I, I, I just don't see a way if this game does stay in the 40s. And honestly, I think this is a game that ends up in the 40s. I, I struggle to see a way that I was won this game by more than two touchdowns. Yeah. Well, let's get to the big one uh, for the week. We've got the Cotton Bowl, the Gators versus the Sooners. Florida, eight and three on the year, five, five and one against the spread versus Oklahoma, who is eight and two on the year, seven and three against the spread. Florida, minus three. The total on this game is 72. Who are you leaning for on this one? America. Um, no, I think, uh, I'm taking Florida. I'm not overly confident while I do think this Oklahoma team, why is Pitts actually playing in this one? Uh, who cares? <laughs> Me. I, I say this Florida's offense has been able, has, yes, it looks better with Pitts, but it still plays great without Pitts. Um, I think we kind of saw that while Oklahoma's defense, yes, it is not a dumpster fire. It is still not amazing and against florida they're not going to get three picks heck they're probably not even going to get a turnover in this one and if you're telling me that uh florida is only has to win this game by a field goal i'm sorry tell me which one of these teams is going to accept a field goal um i don't think either one does and because of that i think that this game's probably going to have a margin that's about seven points uh and I think Florida's going to win. Like I said, seven points is the margin I'm projecting. Give me Florida. Yeah, I'm going with Oklahoma here. Pitts is actually, uh, he has actually opted out of this game. Okay, uh, I'm going to roll with the Sooners here. I think Spencer Rattler, Marvin Mims, um, I think they get it done. I, I think they win it outright. I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to go a little money line on this one. Um, I'm not, this is not a lock for me, but I do feel like uh, Oklahoma you know, is, is a really good team. I think their defense has improved. I think neither one of these teams is Who has the better uh, defense, Alabama or Oklahoma. I don't think Alabama has a better defense than Oklahoma. Sure. But I don't think either of these teams have a good defense. Yeah. But I mean, we, do you we think saw, Alabama's, I mean, Alabama got dragged into a dog fight with this team. I don't. And I think that what we're looking at here is uh, Florida's going to be able to score whatever number they feel like scoring. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think if it's a close game, Oklahoma wins. I would not be surprised if Florida wins by 14 either, though. I think it comes down to Spencer Rattler uh, and ball control. Uh, but I think it's going to be a good one. Before we get into our locks, I just want to remind you that we uh, we talk about different lines. We talk about where we like to bet. Uh, bet online is freaking awesome. We may not be able to be at games this year, but we can still bet on all the action at betonline.ag. They're going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win with game spreads, totals, team player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you the most options to wager more than anywhere else. So don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your sportsbook experts. Uh, I don't have very many uh, locks in the week. I've got like three. Uh, so let's go through these pretty quickly because uh, our show, short show has already gone over an hour. Shocker. <laughs> Um, I'll start real quick. Uh, we talked about this game just a minute ago, Florida and Oklahoma. The best line I have found right now is, uh, 71 and a half. Um, the total has gone over in nine of Florida's last 13 games and sharp money has come in on the over because of that. I'm just going to guess that this one turns into a shootout and that neither team's defense cares. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I actually have this uh, as a lock for myself as well. Um, nine of Florida's last 13 games have gone over. Uh, so I just I just love that. And while some of the unders have hit recently for Oklahoma, that's been in the Big 12 where they've been keeping a little bit more conservative uh, playing against teams that, you know, kind of know them well. I think this game just is a is a is a shootout. It's a it's a race to the finish who can score the most points. Um, I mean, I guess every game is who can score the most points, but in this one, it will be more about scoring points rather than keeping the other team to score. So I'm with you, uh, Florida, Oklahoma, over 71 and a half. I'm a, I'm I'm good with that one. I think you uh, you followed me into the winner circle. Yep. Um, another game uh, we already mentioned, but mostly because we mentioned all the games this week. But Oklahoma State and Miami total is 58 and a half. The total has gone under in six of Miami's last six games when playing as an underdog and they are, and the total has gone under in four of Oklahoma state's last five games. I mentioned that I don't really think either of these teams are very great, good offensively. Um, I mentioned that Miami was exposed on uh, their run defense, but Oklahoma state's going to struggle to run the ball. I don't see there being a whole lot of points in this one. And because of that, I'm taking under 58 and a half. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's going to be all that many points in this one. And and that's why I kind of like uh, taking the points with Miami. I like Miami plus two in this same matchup. Uh, Oklahoma State um, has really been struggling a lot. They're uh, three and three in their last six. They um, are one and five against the spread in those games. I already mentioned that. I just don't really have a lot of confidence in this Oklahoma State team. And now you're telling me that Chuba's gone. We may not see Tylen Wallace. Meanwhile, Miami's got... Um, a a solid defense. I think they're going to want to prove something after getting embarrassed to North uh, university, North Carolina. So I'm on Miami plus two Uh, lock it up. Yeah. Um, Last game on my card is Hawaii and Houston. Um, I didn't like the side in this one. And honestly, I'm looking at one thing. It's going to be really, really windy at this game. There are going to be 19 mile an hour winds in this one. And that makes it difficult to pass. When it's difficult to pass, I like totals that are in the 60s because I'm going to go under them. Uh, so I'm going to go under 60 and a half in this one for Hawaii and Houston. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, my last one is uh, Marshall versus Buffalo. Both these teams struggling in the championship games. Um, I'm going to go with a team that I just think is better. And we both said this um, off the bat. Buffalo minus four and a half. I don't think that's too big of a number. I think they're able to get their running game going again. Sure, they didn't have the toughest schedule, but they were able to put up points against just about everyone. I mean, their lowest point total on the year was last week against Ball State when they put up only uh, 28 points. I think they're able to do more than that. I think they're able to take care of business against Marshall. Buffalo minus four and a half um, is my is my final lock for this week. Do you have anything else? As we were talking, is there anything else you want to play? And there's nothing else I want to play. Yeah, me neither. Um, I think that's pretty good. It's it's hard finding a bunch of uh, locks and uh, just, you know, I mean, I think we're locking up half the games that we talked about. Um, I am excited, though, to watch these. I'm excited for uh, our show next week where we get to dive into uh, some of the New Year's games. We get to talk about the playoff. We get to dive into all of that stuff. It's going to be fantastic. Um, you know, this is the fun time of year, man. We've got uh, wrapping up our fantasy football championships. We're, we're watching... Um, bowl games we're watching playoff games and college football this is a a beautiful time of year it is a whole lot of fun 
And uh, yeah, and of course it's Christmas. So, you know, if you're one that celebrates that, Merry Christmas, happy uh, all the things, happy holidays. And we will be back with you um, a week from today uh, to get into all those things. Chris, uh, not Chris, <laughs> I uh, I was beating you to your, uh, your sign off. Matt, do you have anything to leave the good listeners with? Bye, Chris Alave. There it is. There's the Chris I was talking about. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you all next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.